I just had a feeling that like I had to go through this to come out on the other side. You're listening to The Bee Podcast. Make friends, learn new things, and feel understood. Now here's your host, Sage Lally. Hey you, my name is Sage Lally and welcome back to the Bee Podcast. Today I am thrilled to have Elizabeth Sue with us. Elizabeth is a writer, a mental health educator, and the founder of Monday Vibes, a personal growth newsletter and network for women. Having studied burnout and perfectionism at Columbia University, Elizabeth is all about helping women connect to their intuition and stop hustling for their worth. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Sage. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Of course. I'm so excited you're here. So today we're going to be talking about the topic of transition. I would love to hear, before we dive into all of that, who you are, what you do, who is Elizabeth Sue? (laughs) Thank you. What what a gift. Um, So hey, everyone. I am Elizabeth Sue. I am a wellness writer, a perfectionism expert, and the founder of Monday Vibes. I have had many transitions in my life, which I'm sure we'll go into. But prior to this career, I uh, worked in Silicon Valley for almost a decade, and it nearly killed me. I struggled with an eating disorder, unhealthy drinking, um, insomnia, you name it, anxiety, and that really led me down this path of discovering my self-worth. I quit my job, moved across the country to study burnout and perfectionism in women at Columbia, where I uncovered just how glorified perfectionism is in our society, often masking those severe mental health issues like anxiety and depression that I myself faced in an attempt to have it all. So now I I'm an entrepreneur, and Monday Vibes is a personal growth newsletter and network for women, and it just brings me great joy to um, be on this path of trying to live an authentic life and inspire others to do the same. Obviously, you seem like the master of transitions. I know you'll probably say that they've all had their ups and downs as all transitions do, but can you tell us a little bit more about how you've handled the big transitions in your life? Yeah, I, gosh, you're right. Every transition has its ups and downs. So my husband was in the, um, the Marines. So we met, we're college sweethearts. We've been together 12 years, married for four. So we've lived many lifetimes together and, Um, He was in the military. I was working in D.C., and he had gotten into Berkeley and um, for business school, and so we moved across the country, and that was really the first time we had lived in the same place after doing four and a half years of long distance. So Berkeley and the Bay Area just has such a special place in our hearts, and we never, ever, ever thought we would leave. And when I had moved there, I moved there with a different job and um, really was entranced by tech and really surrounding myself with people who were in this really fast-paced world of innovation and creativity. So I really thought that was it for me. 
And when I finally landed that job uh, and was like in the hustle and bustle, I was still really unhappy and that was very disillusioning. And I was like, shit, like, who am I? What do I want? Um, And I kind of went into a dark place. And so I found out about this program at Columbia um, through their Spirituality and Mind-Body Institute um, where you would get a master's in clinical psychology, but you, you know, meditated before class and like you got to talk about, um, you know, very woo-woo type things in this academic setting. I was like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. And that's when I decided to move. And you can do the program remotely, but there was just something inside of me that was like, I need to go. I remember talking to my husband and he had just gotten a new job in the Bay Area. And I was like, I love you, but like, I have to go. Like, I have to do this thing. And it just, I felt so compelled to leave this you know, Silicon Valley dream life behind and start this new chapter as an entrepreneur, as a creative in New York City. Um, I never thought I would live there because it was, it's just a really intense place, but I knew like I had that intuitive pull that was going to be the the right container for me at the time. And so I think that's one of the biggest transitions that I've made that felt so viscerally like it hurts, like it hurts so much to leave, but I knew it's what needed to happen in order for me to grow into who I was supposed to be. What was it like for you your first year living in New York? Oh my gosh, it was it was really it was awful. It was really painful. <laughs> I don't think I've cried so much in like a condensed period of time and the hardest part about it was like, you know, with any transition, with anything new, you just, you, you have this revisionist history. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Like I left this stable career that was like amazing. I left a city that I loved. I left my entire like community of friends and my husband. And now I'm in this like tiny apartment in New York City. I know no one. It smells. It's dark. I have winters again. And I was kind of late, you know, to school. I was one of the older students. I was 10 years out. And So I was very self-conscious about that. It was a field I really knew nothing about. I was quantitative economics and community health in undergrad. I hadn't taken a single psychology class. So I felt very like out of my league. I felt old. I felt lonely. I felt overwhelmed because I was also trying to start my business. But at the same time, it's like that's the reckoning. And I, looking back, I'm really grateful for that that period that I had by myself to be with my thoughts and my thoughts are scary, but what a, what a gift to carve out space for yourself to explore in that way. What kept you from just throwing in the towel? Oh my gosh. I mean, you should, you should have seen me like every time I, the, the plane landed in SFO, I was just like crying. I think it's, it sounds like so esoteric, but I just had a knowing. I just had a feeling that like I had to go, I had to go through this to come out on the other side. 
what was it like for you after Andrew finally moved there and you had kind of settled for a year? Did it get easier for you? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, yes and no. I mean, um, yes, in that like, you know, my best friend was there and we got to explore together and that was so fun. But at the same time, I carried a lot of guilt for uprooting his life to uh, a city that I knew wasn't forever. Um and that I, I I had such a love hate relationship with New York, like it, it, you know, did fuel me in so many ways and gave me open op- opened a lot of doors. Um, but as sensitive as a person I was, like I was, my mental health was really struggling, and that was a big big part of our decision. It really made me realize the importance of accepting reality and accepting the present um, as opposed to the fantasy of what you wanted. Yeah, I'm finding this really interesting parallel in your life where you moved to New York and it was really hard and you wanted to give up, but you didn't because you knew it was ultimately going to be best for you. But in the end, you ended up leaving New York because you knew that you had gone through what you needed to go through and it was okay to give up. And I think there's kind of a balance. It's like one of those things where sometimes you just need to keep trying and sometimes you need to give up. When do you feel like you know which to do? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I I talk about that when I talk about callings, like, because Andrew's like, you can't hate New York. You're the one that like wanted to come here. And I was like, well, I didn't really want to come here. New York wanted me to come here. And that's why it's called a calling. Like you are called to do something that might not feel comfortable, but you know, the universe won't put you in a a situation that you can't handle. And then you might have that calling towards something else and what you're feeling, the discomfort you're feeling is sadness and grief. It's not like giving up. I think that's a great point. All that being said, I want to talk a little bit more about New Year's resolutions, how you're preparing to enter into the new year with new inspiration and motivation. So tell me what you think. I used to be a big New Year's resolutions gal. I would have like 30 resolutions. It was like work out seven times a week, lose. And I I struggled with an eating disorder. And it was like lose like 15 pounds, no sugar, drink three Nalgene's a day. Like it was so aggressive. Um, And I remember when I first started therapy, I came into my therapy appointment, like, I don't know, the Thursday after New Year's. She's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing well. I have a lot of guilt. I haven't set my new year's resolutions yet. Like I already feel like I'm behind. I've already had like three cookies this year or something crazy. Um, (laughs) and she was like, okay, what about this year? You don't set any resolutions. And I like fell out of my chair. I was like, I don't understand what, what that means. Like I'll just turn into this, like lazy blob if I don't set these goals for myself. And she's like, okay, what, why don't we do a vision board instead? And I was like, what is that? Because this is like pre 
woo-woo Elizabeth. So I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? And so she like brought out the materials. And so I like, I mean, I, I save all my vision. I now do them every year. And so that's another thing you would love to see because I love looking back at it because it kind of makes me laugh. So it took me three weeks, three sessions to do it. And, um, it, there, it, like everything are like perfectly cut out little like squares and they're like 10, maybe 10 squares on my piece of paper. And it's like all white women doing yoga and maybe like a quote about living your best life. And even though now I look back and I kind of poke fun at my younger me who like really struggled with this like creative endeavor, I, that like changed the game for me. I was like, wait, this is so cool. I can have quote unquote goals, but it doesn't have to be a metric that I meet. So do you make vision boards every year now? I do. Yeah. At least, at least once, um, at least for New Year's, usually for my birthday or some girls' night or whatever. Um, but nowadays, I have convinced Andrew, my husband, to do a joint vision Ooh. board for, with me for New Year's. So we've been doing that for the last couple of years where we um, kind of set, you know, it's our space to set our intentions of the life we want to create with each other for the next year. Can you tell us about what was on 2020s? Yeah, it's so it's so funny you should ask because I was just talking about this the other day with a friend because um, at the top we wrote The Good Life and that's something that he and I talk about a lot which is what does the good life look to us? Like what, like how much money do we need to live the good life? Where, like, where do we go to find the good life? Yeah. How do we help each other live the good life together? (laughs) And underneath that are just like a slew of pictures of nature and camping. And I swear to God, there's like a camper van in there, even though to be clear, we aren't living out of our van. (laughs) We are in Airbnbs, but, um, the idea was this like sense of freedom in nature and being on the road. And here we are. I just think that it's so cool that you actually got to do what your vision board said, because so many people's plans in 2020 were just demolished. So I love that it actually actualized. I would love to hear what you plan to put on your 2021 vision board and what's next for you in the upcoming year? Usually I go into my vision board sessions and just like let my intuition lead the way. Um, So I don't know for sure yet. We'll see what comes out on on the page. You know, what's really present for me um, in reflection of 2020 is this phrase, I am not a project to be fixed. Because I have really felt broken this year um, for a lot of reasons. Um, And I've found myself, it's almost like the perfectionism has 
has wormed its way into my healing and my personal development work as if I'm not doing enough and um and I'm just kind of done with that like I really want to step into 2021 feeling whole and feeling feeling like yes I'm imperfect but that's that makes me who I am and I can take I can continue to grow and evolve and heal myself but I'm but it's not because I'm broken yeah I love that. I'm so glad that we got to chat today. Before you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet, where they can learn more about you and subscribe to Monday Vibes? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at heyelizabethsue. And then my website is just elizabethsue.com. And to get to Monday Vibes specifically is elizabethsue.com slash Monday Vibes. We're running a free five-day self-care challenge right now that's really fun. And I can't wait to have you a part of the community. Thank you for listening to The Bee Podcast with your host, Sage Lally. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave us a review. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Your story has the power to help others. If you step out in boldness and have the bravery to tell it, there are people here who will listen. You just have to speak. That's all for now. See you next time. Bye.